lead pastors here. And I just want to say thank you for choosing to be with us in person and online. We so appreciate you choosing to join with us this morning. As we begin, I want to make sure those of you who are watching us online are able to experience our service in the best way possible. And uh, we recommend doing that by going to our online platform, which you can find at onelifeseattle.org forward slash live. At that site, you will find our chat line, which is great for connecting and uh, meeting people. We have our Bible and live prayer app. We have important links and resources. We also have a note section, so if you want to keep track of things within the sermon and teaching time, that's there as well. Um, however, we are on Facebook and YouTube and other things, so however you choose to join us online, um, we appreciate it. And again, those of you here as well, Thank you for joining us. I'm going to open us our, open our time with prayer, and then we're going to dive into week three of our fall sermon series. So let's pray. Father, Son, Spirit, we thank you for your goodness and grace. We thank you for your faithful presence, that you're with us. You're with us here. You're with those of us who are online. We have people all the way in the UK. We have people in Miami, um, in Wedgwood, in Greenwood, and other neighborhoods in their city. You're faithfully present with all of us through your Holy Spirit, and we just thank you. And this morning as we've sung songs and, and breathed in your spirit and recognized your presence, Lord, we ask that this time that you would speak to us. You'd help us hear from you. Help us experience the truth of who you are in our lives. And... Uh, yeah, God, as we've talked in the past about what it means to fear the Lord, God, help us to take this idea of you being real, you being serious, and that that would be a part of our lives. And, and, and we pray that today as we open your word and engage with it. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So today we're diving into week three of our fall sermon series called Get Wisdom, looking at the book of Proverbs. And if you have missed the first two, I highly recommend you going back and checking them out. Greg has done a fantastic job of launching this series. But as a quick review, um, I want to make sure we know that the book of Proverbs is part of the Old Testament. And within the Old Testament, it's a subsection called Wisdom Literature. And we also learned that this book is made up of a compilation of hundreds of these short sayings, discourses, and thoughts from King Solomon, among others. And in short, um, this book is all about gaining wisdom. And Greg did a great job over the series so far showing us all these different examples of uh, quotes from all these famous people um, and their, what, their thoughts on wisdom. And it's something that's in many ways universal. That word universal can have some misunderstandings, but it's something that every human being understands, that there's wise thought, that there's people who have knowledge and experience in life that maybe we don't, that we can learn from. And the book of Proverbs is about gaining wisdom. And what's interesting is that when you turn to the book of Proverbs and read the opening line in verse 1, it says this, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. You read this, and then you expect to actually start reading Proverbs, which are these kind of short, clever sayings that are packed with a punch of content that are designed to give us this wisdom for living a good life, right? You read this first verse, and you expect that to follow, but that's actually not what you get. Instead, you get 10 long, cohesive speeches from this picture of a father to a son 
interwoven with four poems or speeches from this character named Lady Wisdom to humanity. And it's these characters that are then contrasted to two other characters, one called the Wicked Man or the Strange Man and this woman named Lady Folly. It's not until chapter 10 when this first verse that we just read gets repeated again, and it's at that point in chapter 10 where we actually get to the Proverbs themselves. So it's kind of odd, right? It's this book of wisdom, it's this book of Proverbs, we get this first verse, but then after that we have 10 chapters that aren't Proverbs. They're stories, they're these conversations with these people. And so the question then becomes, what's that all about? Like, what do we do with this? And so to get at it, I want to introduce us to Lady Wisdom. And to meet Lady Wisdom, we're going to look at one or two of her speeches. But before we do, I want to invite us to sit back and watch this very cool clip from the Bible Project on this very topic. So sit back and relax as we get to know Lady Wisdom. In the story of the Bible, God creates the world by carving order out of disorder and darkness. Like an artist creating a place where life can flourish. Right, and still today, God's ordering power is at work, preventing the cosmos from slipping back into chaos and nothingness. And in the Bible, humanity has a key role to play in this ordering work. But to partner with God in that ongoing ordering of the cosmos, we need to be mentored by Lady Wisdom. Lady Wisdom? Who's that? Let's find out in Proverbs chapter eight. So within the Hebrew Bible, there's a scroll called Proverbs. It's about gaining wisdom. And while most of the scroll is a collection of short Proverbs, it begins with nine chapters of speeches in which we meet a cast of symbolic characters. There's a wise fatherly king and a woman named Lady Wisdom. And they're offering divine wisdom that leads to stability and life. There's also a wicked man and a wily woman called Lady Folly. And their way of life is attractive, but it leads to disorder and death. Okay, so these speeches force you to make a choice. Whose advice will you listen to? Right, these contrasting couples are like poetic symbols of the many voices out there telling us how to be human. And in Proverbs, they're all competing for the attention of you, the reader, who's referred to throughout as my son. Got it. Now. All these speeches can be grouped into three main sections. And for now, we're gonna focus on Proverbs chapter eight. It's a long speech from this majestic woman. Lady Wisdom. She's God's wisdom personified. And she stands at a crossroads on a tall hill, inviting you to enter into God's sacred city. Doesn't wisdom cry out and understanding raise her voice? At the road's high point, at the crossroads, she stands Besides the gates going into the city, at the entrance, she shouts. And then Lady Wisdom begins her speech. It has four main parts. In the first part, Wisdom declares her value. Choose my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is more precious than pearls, and nothing you desire compares with her. So living by God's wisdom can lead to the most valuable things in life. Healthy relationships, moral integrity, a stable, fruitful life. You can't buy those things with money. Right. And in the third part of her speech, she repeats the same idea. Wealth and honor are with me, enduring abundance and justice. 
My fruit is better than pure gold, and what I offer surpasses silver. Now, let's back up to the second part of her speech, where we learn that God's wisdom is very practical. In fact, humans depend upon it every day, whether they know it or not. Through me, kings reign, and rulers issue decrees that are just. Through me, princes rule, and nobles, all who judge with justice. Now, that phrase, issue decrees, comes from the Hebrew word chakak. It means literally to carve or engrave. It refers to how ancient kings would carve laws of justice onto tablets. So a good leader confronts disorder and injustice by creating laws that are just. And when they do so, they're drawing on God's wisdom. Right. Wise leaders become images of God, who also creates, by his decrees, carving order out of chaos. But God's decrees aren't written on tablets. Rather, they're woven into the fabric of creation itself. In fact, that's what the final part of Lady Wisdom's speech is all about. She claims that she was there with God in the beginning. Yahweh brought me forth as the firstborn of his way before his deeds of old. In the remote past, I was formed from the beginning, from the earliest times of the land. Now watch, she's going to repeat that Hebrew word, chakak, to describe how God carved order into the world. When he established the skies, I was there. When he carved a horizon on the face of the deep waters. Here God is splitting the dark, chaotic waters in half, making the waters above and below. And he carved a boundary for the sea, so the waters don't cross his command. This is God creating the boundary of the dry land, holding back the sea so humans can flourish in peace. When he carved the foundations of the land, I was there. The biblical authors imagined that the dry land was supported by pillars below to keep it from sinking back into the chaotic sea. So this is the three-tiered cosmos described all over the Bible. Right. It's how the Israelites and all their ancient neighbors imagined the world. And notice, the dry land is sustained and protected from the surrounding chaos only by God's wise carving abilities. That's beautiful. It is. And it's worth celebrating. Like Lady Wisdom says, I was beside him growing up, and I was his daily delight, celebrating before him the entire time, celebrating the inhabited world of the land, delighting in human beings. God's wisdom delights in the ordered universe, and also in humanity. Yes, because humans are the image of God, called to live by divine wisdom as they carve out their own little spots here in his world. But humans often reject God's wisdom, doing what's right in our own eyes. And in the Bible, that's how humans drag creation back into chaos and darkness. It's only when we live by God's wisdom that we join his project of ordering the world creating space and communities where all of God's creatures can flourish in peace. Or, as Lady Wisdom puts it at the conclusion of her speech, The one who finds me finds life and receives favor from Yahweh. But the one who forfeits me hurts themselves. Those who hate me love death. So every day, Lady Wisdom presents us with a choice. Will I live by God's wisdom and contribute order, beauty, and justice to the world? Or am I going to live selfishly, by my own wisdom, and pull creation back into chaos from which it came? That's the decision that lay before humans throughout the story of the Bible, and still today. Which way will you choose? Lady Wisdom is waiting for our answer. Awesome.
Don't they do a great job? Oh my goodness. The image they do of Lady Wisdom to me is so fantastic. Um, now, having seen this, I want us to just kind of walk through a little more detail of Proverbs 8 to get to the core stuff about Lady Wisdom and what she's saying, what I believe she's saying to us this morning. So again, if you have your Bibles, you could turn to Proverbs chapter 8. If you don't have your Bible, those of you online, you could use your Bible app um, or you could just follow along um, with the slides as we read. But if you remember, chapter 8 begins saying that does not wisdom call out, does not understanding raise her voice. At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city, at the entrance she cries aloud. And before we get to her words, what she what we see is that she's at the crossroads that leads into the city gate. And this is a similar position that she's in in chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. The city gates were and still are um, the hub of market activity in many eastern cities, particularly those that have walls. It's where the community would come together. It's where intersections of one another happen. And it's also important to note that the city gates is where um, the city leaders would meet to have their discussions and to make these decrees. So that's where Lady Wisdom begins to speak. This morning, I asked my um, own Lady Wisdom, my wife, to read um, the words of Lady Wisdom. So throughout our time, you're going to hear the text read. And so we'll start now, knowing the, the place in which Lady Wisdom is. Let's hear a first section of her speech. To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, Set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver knowledge rather than choice gold for wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her so here we see lady wisdom call out to all humanity to all humans and her words we see are just they're right and true and her instructions she says are more valuable than choice gold and silver and this opening movement repeats the themes um, uh, from Lady Wisdom's earlier speeches where she offers insight and wisdom that will kind of open us up, if you will, to the way of abundance. And she's wanting to be clear that she's not offering this wisdom as a transactional means to wealth. Rather, what she's saying is that what she has to offer supersedes wealth and is in fact is far more valuable. And without going into all the details, verses 4 through 6 portrays Lady Wisdom's offering as this embodiment of true justice and morality. And this moral and social focus opens um, the next section or the next movement of this speech as she will claim to be essential to all humans who are in a position of leading and ruling. So with that, let's hear her continue. possess knowledge and discretion to fear the lord is to hate evil 
I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. By me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles, all who rule on earth. Perfect. So here Lady Wisdom identifies herself with this particular brand of wisdom that's promoted in the book of Proverbs, which is this kind of moral discernment, which the true north of it is defined by the wisdom and will of Yahweh. And she tells us that living in the fear of the Lord or the fear of Yahweh is true wisdom and the beginning of true understanding, and that echoes this main theme that we see throughout the book and particularly in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Then Lady Wisdom starts to really step up kind of her rhetoric, if you will, claiming that she's not only identical to moral wisdom, but that she is also the indispensable principle by which humans live and rule and organize their society. And she uses this language saying that rulers lead by issuing or carving decrees and judging with justice. And just like the Hebrew word that we learned in that video suggests, this word is at the same root of our common term that's used to describe the Torah, which I think is also very cool. Uh, but she's not done. She continues. Let's hear more from Lady Wisdom. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasuries full. This section is basically a repeat of verses 8 through 11, only she's amping it up. She says, wisdom is available to offer justice, that it's rightness for those who love her. And again, she makes clear that wisdom is more valuable than gold or choice silver or really any wealth you can have in this world. And then she leads into kind of what is her ultimate like authority card. If she hasn't explained all the authority that she has now, now what we hear is her ultimate authority card. Here's what she says. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water. Before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Awesome. So in short, she's saying not only is it through me that all wise rulers operate and carve out their decrees, um, she says, but I was around before any of these rulers even existed. I was literally there when God began carving out all of creation. 
In verses 22 and 23, she says she was with God in the beginning, and she's using the same language that we see in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 to single that she was active and literally with God even before God began the work of creation. Wisdom was there. She then uses this birthing imagery saying that Yahweh brought her forth, that, that she was formed, and again in verse 24 and 25 says again that she was birthed, or literally that she was a product of labor pains. What she's saying is that she emerged from God's own being, that she's an expression of God's own self going out into the world precisely when God's carving out creation. I don't know about you, but that is so cool to me. Um, the imagery here begs a lot of debate, though, and I'm not going to get into all of it, but what I think is worth holding on to is the powerful metaphor that's being used. And if you were to study the areas in the Bible where um, you see God depicted as a mother giving birth, you would find these themes tied together. There's suffering and crisis and labor intimately connected to the themes of creation and, and transformation and new life. And so it's this picture of the God of the universe laboring and transforming for all of creation and for all of humanity in order to bring about new life and true flourishing for all. I love this. Lady Wisdom goes on with this amazing kind of poetic commentary on the creation story in Genesis 1. And she says she was present when the horizon's line was drawn and carved by God and when God made the boundary between the sea and the dry land. And then she goes on to say in verse 30 through 31 that she was constantly at God's side during all of this. Which, as you can see, there is just so much going on on in this one speech. But there's one thing that I find incredibly fascinating, and it's about this connection that Lady Wisdom is making with the creation story. So for a moment, just try to remember the creation story in Genesis 1. When is there a time when something literally emerges out of God's own being that goes out into the void to participate in the ordering and the carving up of chaos. What was it? God's word, God's voice, God's spirit is speaking out of God. It's God's breath going into the void, and it's out of that where creation comes. In other words, there's no way that this picture of Lady Wisdom is not connected to the work of the spirit. You can't read the book of Proverbs without recognizing the work of the Holy Spirit in all of this. And so in a sense, this is the author of Proverbs' way of reflecting on the Word and the Spirit. But in the slot where the Word and the Spirit in Genesis 1 comes, there's God's wisdom. In other words, they are different ways of imagining the same thing. It's God's wisdom. It's divine, yet it's this aspect of God that was used to create something other than God's own self. So it's both distinct from God and divine at the same time. And so this section ends with Lady Wisdom, with God celebrating the world and delighting in all of creation, including all of humanity. She has this really organic kind of relational connection to God. I don't 
this isn't the best way to think about, but maybe it's helpful. You got God, and then on the other side, you got anything that's not God. And what is it that brings these two together? It's divine wisdom that brings these together. It's this divine wisdom that leads us to Jesus. It's the work of the Spirit, which is why there are so many New Testament texts that connect to all the imagery of Lady Wisdom to Jesus. For example, John chapter 1, 1 through 3 says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Can you hear the echoes of Lady Wisdom and the echoes of Genesis chapter 1? Colossians 1, 15 through 17. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He was before all things, and in him all things hold together. Again, we hear this echo of Genesis 1, and we hear this echo of Lady Wisdom. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And through him also he made the universe. Again, we hear echoes of Genesis chapter 1. We hear echoes of Lady Wisdom in Proverbs 8. And as you can see, there is so much more to all of this. I mean, it's you could tap into almost every word and go in these rabbit holes of fascinating content. Um, But for the sake of the time, um, we need to just get to the end of her speech. And so here's how Lady Wisdom closes out chapter 8. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Which talk about a mic drop, right? (laughs) All who hate me love death. Boom, drop the mic. I am done with my speech. It leaves us. What do we do with this? Now that we've been introduced to Lady Wisdom, and she ends the speech like this, what's, what do we do? What's the point? Well, it's fascinating is that the end of chapter 8 then leads us to chapter 9, where we see this amazing comparison with Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. And they're both giving an invitation to a meal. And it's this very symbolic picture of the choices we have to make in our moment-by-moment, day-to-day lives. The first nine verses are Lady Wisdom's invitation to the meal, and verses 13 through 18 are Lady Folly's. And as you can imagine, the meal that Lady Wisdom has to offer has one in which everyone is invited. That she even sends people out to make sure everyone knows that they're invited. There's this outward push to get everyone to come. And she um, labors in preparation of the house in making the food herself, and making her own wine. And she even uses this language that echoes the communion language of take and eat. 
And it's this outward invitation for all to have life and reward and blessing and flourishing. That's Lady Wisdom's story and invitation to this meal. Then Lady Folly, in comparison, also invites all. But she's not sending anyone out. She's kind of on the side, almost kind of whispering. And what she has to offer is stolen water and food eaten in secret. And although Lady Folly says that what she's offering is delicious, she also says that all who come are deep in the realm of the dead. And so we have a choice to make, which is why right in the middle of these two comparisons and these two invitations, we get verse 9, 10 from Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 that says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we've, we've talked about this a number of times. It's going to come up again. But, and Greg already led a great discussion on this topic, so I'm not going to say much. But I like to think of the idea of fearing the Lord is this idea of taking God seriously. That acknowledging that God is real, that God is present, that God is at work in and around and through us and around and through everyone at every moment. And it's this idea of owning that we're not God nor do we know what's best, so we have a respect and an awe of who God is and what God does. And it's not just knowing this, it's believing this, and it's living this out in the realities of our day-to-day. It's the idea of taking God seriously where this true wisdom begins. Of course, We all know this, that there will be cynics, there will be mockers, there will be the lady follies of the world. They could be our friends, they could be our family, they could be our neighbor, they could be our co-workers that are mocking us for seeking to live wisely and faithfully according to the will of Yahweh. But this idea of fearing the Lord, the idea of, of doing God's will, of bringing about the fruit of the Spirit, of choosing to love our enemies as well as we would love ourselves or our friends, choosing to live as stewards rather than owners of the world and our our possessions, caring for the poor, the widows, and the oppressed, daring to trust God in times of trial and temptation, seeing every human being as someone made in the very image of God, believing that our prayers and our worship matter, trusting that this life is not all that God has for us. This, in a sense, is what Lady Wisdom invites us into, and it's radically different from Lady Folly. And what's interesting is that it's after this choice of these invitations in this meal in chapter 9 where chapter 10 begins, and it's there where all those proverbs happen. So as the video suggested, every day... Every moment presents us with a choice. Will we live by God's wisdom and choose to contribute order, beauty, and justice to the world, or am I going to live selfishly by my own wisdom and pull creation back in the chaos from which it came? And that's the point of Lady Wisdom. That's, that's the hope that Proverbs offers us. And it was brought to my attention during the worship time today. Um, Jessica just 
came up and shared with me just the thought that the Spirit was bringing to her that we're singing these songs that say things like, your love awakens me, beautiful love, that the earth is yours and that you are this unstoppable God. And part of why we join together to worship is to declare these truths. It's a way for us to, again, get to the place to be reminded to take God seriously. Do we believe these things? And do these things that we say and sing and say is dear to our hearts, do these come out in the realities in how we live? That's, that's what the wisdom of God looks like in action. What will we choose? And we all know at every moment we have options. How will we choose to live? And that's the invitation of Lady Wisdom. And, and I'm going to stop there because there's so much more that can be said. So I'm going to invite our worship team to come back. Um, they're going to play instrumentally to give us some space to kind of reflect and to ponder what we've heard. Um, and as they do, I do have a couple questions, uh, song, reflection kind of application thoughts for you. And the best way to share your answers to those is through that online connection card. Or if those of you are here, there's a connection card on your seat. Um, if you'd be willing to do so, that would be great as we'd love to hear your thoughts on these things. Um, there's a couple questions, and again, you could answer one or all of them. Question number one is this. How often do you read, study, and apply the teachings in the book of Proverbs? And how has the study of Lady Wisdom and its connection to the Holy Spirit affected your interest in doing so? Now, maybe you're like me, and there's been a couple times where you've picked up the book of Proverbs, and you've tried to read it like a normal book, and it goes poorly. We don't read wisdom literature like we read a novel, and we don't read Proverbs like we read a novel. When was the last time you picked it up and read it and studied it in light of what we understand to try to take in the wisdom that it has to offer? I would recommend, and I'm just going to say this before we get to question two, the next time you read Proverbs, try to read it as if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Think of it as the words you're reading are the words of the Holy Spirit. Number two, what are some examples you have of applied wisdom? Things that you've learned from God's word that you put into action and practice and that you've reaped the benefits from. The truth of wisdom lived out. What are some examples? And number three, how does the idea of the fear of the Lord being the act of taking God seriously in the way you live your life sit with you? And how often do you find yourself aware of the act of choice of living this out or not in your day-to-day -day life? I'd love to hear from you. How does this idea of taking God seriously come into play in my moment-by-moment day-to-day life? How often am I aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit leading me, guiding me, and giving me direction, wise direction, in how to go about my day? There you go. There's those questions. Feel free to use this space to pray, to confess, to own, to give thanks, to receive, to be filled. Whatever you feel called to in this time, I want you to note too that our prayer team is back. Um, if you're online, they're available online. If you're here, they're available for you to pray, uh, to be prayed with. And um, if you're online, all you have to do is hit the request prayer button on the left of the chat line and they will be able to connect with you and just be aware on either end. Um, it's gonna be the order in which it's received. So if you click on it online and they don't connect you with you right away it's probably because they're with someone in present and vice versa so just know that they're here please take advantage of that i'm going to close us in prayer and then uh, worship team will lead us with some space to reflect and then a song of response let's pray father son spirit i recognize
and own that if I'm being honest, I don't always have the idea of taking you seriously involved in my day-to-day life. The truth is, I think I'm pretty wise. (laughs) I think I know the answers. And the truth is, I don't have all the answers, and I'm not that wise. And thank you, God, that you um, love me, that all the work that your son did on the cross, you did for us, and that you, Holy Spirit, have been at the work of creating and bringing forth your wisdom to take care of the chaos in this world from the very, very beginning. As you breathed your first breath, God, and and started creating, you have never stopped. And you haven't stopped bringing your spirit to us and bringing your wisdom to us. And God, we just want to take a moment to recognize that and give thanks and to own that we aren't always listening, that we aren't always receiving, we aren't always applying it. And yet, God, what we hear is that you're saying everything is sacred, that that there's goodness out there, and you invite us to live in it, to bring about the flourishing that you've designed, the goodness and grace that you've brought for others. And, And just like Lady Wisdom sends people out to invite them in for this meal of bread and wine, you, Holy Spirit, are inviting us to do the same, to go out and share this goodness, this wisdom, this grace and love of Jesus with others, to invite them here to the table where they can take and eat and experience the goodness of your grace. And so, God, we, we just take a little bit of time to pause and acknowledge that we take you seriously, and we ask that you would help us, Holy Spirit, to show that in the way we live, in the way we love. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.